I want to speak to you this morning on the subject of true and false religion. By religion I mean true and false Christianity. Basing many of our thoughts on John chapter 3 verse 5 and 6 where Jesus answered Nicodemus and said Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. The Lord Jesus often spoke about the difference between true and false religion, and much of his teaching sprang from his interactions with the Pharisees and famously of course his interaction with Nicodemus here in John chapter 3 who was a leader of the Pharisees, a teacher of Israel. Now we know the Pharisees as a group, as a religious group were convinced that they were the ones that had everything right from a religious point of view. They were separatists, that's what the word Pharisee really means. Uh, it would never have occurred to them that they were not right with God. And indeed they, they felt a sense of superiority over others. We spoke when I last spoke about the parable of the publican and the Pharisee and how the Pharisee thanked God, I thank thee that I am not as other men prayed to Pharisee they were sound in their theology anachronistically we could say they were solid reformed men in life and in theology great believers in the sovereignty of God great believers in the infallibility of the word of God which they applied to all of life in Acts 23, verse 8, it says the Sadducees, the liberals, say there is no resurrection and that there are neither angels nor spirits. But the Pharisees believe all these things. But Jesus showed Nicodemus, this sound theologian, who was supposed to be the teacher of Israel, that whatever experience he had of God, Whatever righteousness he thought he had, whatever spirit he thought he had, whatever knowledge he had, he had got the wrong thing. He was in possession of a false religion because it had no life in it. It was a religion of death. Outwardly, of course, other men uh, considered the Pharisees to be serious godly men what impressed people so was their um, training in morality their religion and especially their knowledge this man Nicodemus to all appearance, appearances was a model saint and a fount of all knowledge and until he came face to face with Christ and this is what I want to emphasise to you today until he came face to face with Jesus the only feedback he had ever received 
was the praise of man. You see, the Pharisees loved to be in the synagogue because they reinforced each other in the fact that they were the real people of God. They were the ones who had it right. Jesus said in John 5:44, How can ye believe which receive honour one of another and seek not the honour that cometh from God only? See, the only standard, the only plumb line by which the Pharisees measured their righteousness, measured the straightness of their lives, if you like, was to compare themselves to others. That's what the Pharisee was doing in the parable. I am not uh, as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. Their, Their plumb line was the lives of others. But Nicodemus now is in the presence of Jesus Christ. The righteous branch of David's line. And there was no one straighter than Jesus. One who knew the law and kept the law perfectly. Indeed was the one who had given the law. And Jesus was wholly different from other men. Nicodemus would receive no praise of man from him. Jesus was going to tell him the truth about his spiritual condition. And you know, false religion, pharisaical religion, pharisaical believers, if you like, can fool themselves and deceive themselves and fool other people But when they come face to face with the Lord Jesus Christ, when they really come into contact with him, well, a truth bomb falls, doesn't it? A truth bomb falls. Because the Lord Jesus has x-ray vision. And he saw right into Nicodemus' soul, into his heart, and he saw what was really there. You see, the Lord Jesus had that ability. John, the end of John 2, it said, Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men and needed not that any should testify of man for he knew what was in man. The Lord Jesus looked deep into this man's soul. He looked past his elevated position in society. He looked beyond his clerical dress He looked past his education, he looked past his BA and his MA and his PhD and he saw that he knew nothing about about true life with God and how to enter into the kingdom of God. Art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things, the Lord said? Can I ask you today, Have you ever really had this kind of encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ? Where he has shown you the true condition of your heart? Or are you like the Pharisees living off the reputation you have with other men or other Christians? What a danger it is for the outwardly religious. Even the reformed churchgoer 
to be deceived into thinking that they are right with God. And all the time, they're only comparing themselves to others. Or, or they're living off the validation of a small group of people who think the same as them, who believe the same as them. What a danger it is for even reformed churchgoers to be deceived into thinking that their convictions, their standards, their distinctives will give them entrance into the kingdom of God. It won't. Ah, but you may say, I have knowledge. I have knowledge of church history, knowledge of the Bible languages, knowledge of reformed theology. You, You won't know as much as Nicodemus. You won't know as much as the Apostle Paul, who wrote that knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. And if any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing yet, as he ought to know. That's a rebuke. Do you know, I lived like that for a long time. Spending all my time learning the languages of the Bible, learning theology, knew the Bible inside out. But you know, I didn't know Christ. You see, you have to come face to face with the Lord Jesus. And it wasn't that the Pharisees were lazy. There were none busier than the Pharisees for God. They were zealous for God. In his biographical sketch in Philippians, Paul refers to his old life as a Pharisee. He said, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof, he might trust in the flesh, I more circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. You see, the Pharisees would travel, according to Jesus, they would, they would compass land and sea to, to make a proselyte, to, to have one convert. They were missionary minded. But when uh, they made their convert, Jesus said they made him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. Perhaps the most recent and shocking example of this kind of zeal is the new tribes mission, now now renamed Ethnos 360. I remember as a young Christian, I was always amazed at this missionary organisation, new tribes mission, whose uh, purpose is to evangelise the unreached people groups. And their statement of faith is soundly evangelical uh, and it's full of distinctives. Uh, the pre-tribulational rapture of the church and Christ's premillennial return to the earth, the website says. The historical grammatical interpretation of the Bible that a soul once saved can never be lost. The practice of believers' baptism by immersion and that we do not practice what is commonly known as sign gifts. So, well, probably agree with a lot of that. But you know, for decades, and this is a matter of public record now, 
For decades, the leaders of the new tribe's mission covered up sexual abuses, emotional abuse, physical abuse, spiritual abuse perpetrated at its boarding schools against the children of its missionaries while the missionaries were out preaching the gospel. In 2010, an independent inquiry report was published, published which I can't even share some of the details with you because there are children present. Too shocking to mention, but you know, when the children reported the abuse they received, to those in authority, they were told not to tell their parents about the abuse as it would hinder their parents' work and result in people going to hell. One child's testimony was, is this, because of New Tribe's mission, I absolutely despise anybody who calls themselves a Christian. That's an example of travelling to the ends of the earth for a convert but making him twice the son of hell you see we have to be careful of zeal without knowledge the zeal of false religion is dangerous you see the Pharisees were preachers they were faithful tithers they were evangelists they, they were frequently on fasts they were sticklers for the law they were bold in confronting and challenging the deficiencies of others Yet Jesus said to Nicodemus, their head and representative, that in his current spiritual condition, he could not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus, didn't he warn that in the final day, many who have been very busy for God, who have prophesied in his name, which I think means preached in his name. Those who have cast out devils in the name of Jesus and in his name done many wonderful works will be shut out. And Jesus says, And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. They weren't lazy, they were busy for God. The top ladies hymn, came to my mind not the labour of my hands can fulfil thy law's demands could my zeal no respite know could my tears forever flow all for sin could not atone thou must save and thou alone dear church family this morning let each one of us stand before Christ through his word. His word is a burning and a shining light. And sometimes we can hardly bear it. It's much easier to give a nice sermon, isn't it? A nice upbeat sermon that's not searching. But you know, it does us no good very often. We, we can, sometimes we can bear, hardly bear to be under the word. But it must be done if we are to know true religion. You see, the word of God, although it was written in ancient times, is, um, is living and it's powerful today. It's sharp as a sword. And if we come under the word, it pierces us, it cuts us. It's like um, being on an operating table. 
and the surgeon has to find out what's wrong and he has to get to the disease and he cuts and he divides the soul and the spirit the joints and the marrow to reveal the source of the whole trouble and what's the source of the whole trouble it's the thoughts and intents of the heart you see it's heart surgery that's needed before we can enter into the kingdom of heaven we have to have a heart operation it's always the heart and the problem is in false religion the heart is giving out a false um, electric signal a false electric impulse and the electrocardiogram of the word of God detects a false signal which is saying to us peace and peace when there is no peace fooling us and deceiving us that we're, we're right with God when our, we've never really come to him dear friends I want to ask you has God ever really got to your heart not to your head but to your heart you see if it's so easy to sleepwalk our way into hell unless we awake to our true spiritual condition and it's time to awake I think it really is time to awake because Christ's shining torch of truth is examining people's lives, examining the true state of his church today. And what is there? What's, in, what's underneath the hood? Is there a real religion, a real spiritual experience of salvation? We can't hide from him anyway. Hebrews 4.13 says, Neither is any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. It's the most terrifying verse in the Bible to me, that. We can't hide from God's eyes. No one can. I wonder what you may be saying to him here in this room or maybe those who will listen on the, on, online what are, you, what are you going to say to him as he examines you as he looks at your heart and tries to get to the root of your problem what are you going to say to him oh I'm a Calvinist I'm reformed I'm a separatist well the Pharisees will slap you on the back and say well done brother but Jesus is not asking you about that he, doesn't, he never asks us about that our Lord and the Pharisee would have agreed on most things theologically. But he wasn't asking him about that. He asks Nicodemus, have you been born again? Ye must be born again. And I wonder this morning, dear friends, whether you've really been born from above. Have you ever truly been born and truly conceived by the Holy Spirit and baptised into Jesus Christ is the life of God in your soul is the Holy Spirit dwelling in your body are you a new creature a new creation born from above baptised 
with the Spirit in union with Christ. That's what being a Christian is. Do you know, despite the appearances, even despite the agreements, there was a vast difference between, there is a vast difference between true and false Christianity. And the difference is not often in the observable and in the external things. From a distance, a goat and a sheep can look very similar, particularly if you've got poor eyesight like me. Yeah, the difference is really in the heart. You know, my parents and grandparents <clears throat> always used to have uh, songs of praise on the TV on a Sunday evening. Um, some of you won't know what that is, but it's something of an institution in this country. Um, these televised church services on a Sunday night on the BBC. And mysteriously, these, these services, which are often in huge churches, mysteriously, the, these congregations were packed out. Every pew is filled. You would think revival's broken out. The following Sunday, it reverts to a few elderly ladies. Uh, there's hardly anyone there. But, but as you watched people enthusiastically singing Amazing Grace, whatever it might be. Do you know, who can tell who means what they're singing? It's only God that knows the heart. It's only, it's what's in the heart that determines whether it's a chance to get on the telly or whether it's true worship of God. You see, false religion is perfectly described by Isaiah the prophet, quoted by Mark in chapter 7, verse 6. He said, he, Jesus answered and said unto them, Well hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites. As it is written, This people honoureth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. That's false religion, dear friends. What does that look like in practice? Well, perhaps it's something like doctrine without devotion. You know, those of you who know me know I love doctrine. I'll bang on about doctrine all day. But you know, doctrine without devotion is death. Is it loyalty without love? Is it going through the motions but without the motivation? In the Old and the New Testaments, true worship has always been a religion of the heart. And if your heart's no longer in something, it soon becomes a burden to you. So I used to have, um, you won't believe this now, this is true, but I used to have a running app on my phone called Couch to 5K. And this gets you from being a couch potato to running about three, 3.1 miles. And it's great fun at first because um, you begin just by having to walk and then you run for about five seconds and you go back to walking again. Um, but you know, as the weeks go by, it becomes a real pain because you have to run and you have to run a long way. And um, for me anyway, after a while, I started off so enthusiastically 
But then I lost heart, and I don't know how many times I went through this this program. You carry on for for shame of failure, but you're only going through the motions. Your heart's not in it anymore. And the car drivers that used to drive past me would look. All they would see was a runner. I was all right. I was quite good. I was running reasonably fast. They would just see another runner on the road. But if they could see into my heart, into my mind, they would see me wishing away the time and thinking of all the better things I could be doing in this stupid run after I've worked all day. Do you know, we can be in the same place, spiritually speaking. Knowing about God, saying the right things, passing for one of the godly, but in our hearts, we're far away from God. Far away. Now, what a difference it is to, to wake up each morning and do a job you love. Maybe a job you spent many years training for. And which you can put your heart and your soul into. But what, what of those who have jobs where they're bored to tears? Where the clock turns slow? And where the heart is not in it, well, you live for the weekend, don't you? Do you know, if you're, if you're religious and your heart has not been changed, someday there'll come a time when you'll end up hating God and you'll end up hating church and everything to do with Christianity because it'll become a burden to you. And the practical outcome of this kind of religion is that as the gap increases between what, between what comes out of your lips and what is in your heart, so the gap widens between what you say and what you do. Between what you believe and how you live. And you try and cover this up and to hide it from others often by pointing out the faults in others. If you can point out the faults in others, then it'll be a distraction from what's going on inside of you. That's what the Pharisees and the scribes did. The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Said Jesus, all therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after, they work, after their works, for they say and do not. That's the that's another definition of false religion. They say and they do not. So easy to say, isn't it? Without doing. And false religion in the end will make you fearful and paranoid of being found out by true believers. And people who have never been born again, really, are constantly seeking affirmation and approval from men, often by focusing on some non-essential doctrine or distinctive, out of scope beyond all its importance, because they're trying to hide from others what's in their heart. Jesus said of the Pharisees, all their works they do for to be seen of men. Rather comically, I think, Jesus, I believe, had a sense of humour. Jesus spoke of how the Pharisees arranged for a trumpet to be blown before them as they dispersed their charity to the poor. Can you imagine? Everyone must hear and see my works of charity. 
And all the time they're hiding a false heart. Barriers are put out to shut out the light of the word, the true voice of God. Convictions, preferences, focus on non-essentials, traditions of men, laws added, programs and schemes and the general noise of a very busy church. All shutting out the voice of God. Missing the wood for the trees, majoring on the minors so that the weightier matters of the law Justice and mercy and faithfulness are neglected. The kind of religion that will take a long walk around to avoid the half-dead person in the middle of the road. Have you known the Christianity like that? I have. And I repeat, the root of the problem is the unchanged, unregenerate heart. The problem is sin in the heart. And dear friends, you may have covered over your sin by religion. Like animals, some animals change colour to blend in with their surroundings so that they're not noticed. You've blended in and you've, you've been successful. But you've never really come to the Lord to have your sin problem dealt with. Like the Pharisees, you're outwardly religious and righteous to others but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness you fuss about externals especially in other people but inside you're like a whitewashed tomb which outwardly appears beautiful but within are full of dead people's bones and uncleanness be very careful of that kind of religion because I'll tell you where it will lead It will lead to uh, the kind of religion where you sing in church. But in your private room you'll be clicking on filth and perversion. Because the gap between what you say and what you do is so wide you're a hypocrite. And sin has never really been dealt with. I tell you where it will end up. It will be you praising God in church and going home and picking people to pieces in private you see Nicodemus needed a new heart he needed a new life he had to be born again and the only way into true religion true life is to be born from above your heart and my heart can only be changed by a miracle a miracle called the new birth Except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not, said Jesus, I say unto thee, ye must be born again. The apostle Paul put it this way. He described the new birth as the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost in Titus. 3 verse 5 Jesus and Paul are talking about the most amazing the most radical event that can happen in a person's life even greater than the miracle of a a physical birth and that's pretty amazing you have to be born of water and of the spirit it's a washing of regeneration 
is that great prophecy coming to pass of Ezekiel six centuries before Christ that a time would come when there would be a radical transformative washing away from sin idolatry and the gift of the Holy Spirit then Ezekiel says will I sprinkle clean water upon you and ye shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you a new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh Nicodemus the Pharisees you and I if we don't know Christ through the new birth we need a great washing We need a great renewal. We need to come alive because we're dead in our sins. And there's death in the pot. There's death in our hearts. And religion is is just adding to that death. False religion. In the new birth we come alive. By the baptism of the spirit which is really the new birth. We are united with Christ in his death and in his resurrection that's why Jesus goes on to explain to Nicodemus that as Moses was lifted up the serpent lifted up the serpent in the wilderness even so must the son of man be lifted up because the work of Christ is the basis of the new birth I'm going to end just with a question have you been born again have you has there ever been a time in your life when you've come to Christ and been washed from him, by him? Where you've been regenerated, renewed. Where you've been raised from spiritual death. Where you've been literally born from above. It's only the beginning. It's the birth of a, and the beginning of a whole new life. But you have to be born. There's no life without birth. We need to come to Christ. We need to come to Christ like Nicodemus came to him. And allow Christ to deal with us. Not other people. Not the, not, forget your reputation. Come to the Lord Jesus and say, Lord, wash me. Deal with my sin problem. Cleanse me. And make me yours. I pray you'll do that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.